hard to find in the morning papers It's hard to find in the magazines It doesn't matter what show you tune in It's hard to find on TV screen But it's on talk radio Truth is on talk radio Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is the National Intel Report. I'm your host, John Statmiller, live with you on this Monday, 26 January 09. What I'm going to do today, everybody sit back and relax just a little bit. I want to go into a little bit of history, and people doubt uh, that we are a Zionist-run country. Well, I'm going to use the words of Benjamin H. Friedman. He was at the Willard Hotel in 1961 on behalf of the Condi, uh, Condi rather, McGinley's newspaper, Common Sense. And uh, he was acquainted with such people as Bernard Baruch, Samuel Untermeyer, as well as Presidents Woodrow Wilson, up to Dick Nixon. Mr. Friedman, by the way, is Jewish. See, I don't make up my own stuff. I just use the words of people that are decrying the fact that we are under assimilated control. It's the Matrix. And it's fascinating, this guy, uh, he was on the hit list of the ADL, the American Defamation League, and the American Jewish Committee. As I said, he wrote for the newspaper, Condi uh, McGinley's Common Sense newspaper. He said, one of McGinley's angels is a Jewish anti-Semite, Benjamin Friedman, and told the Armed Services Committee on December 12, 1950, that he had given $15,000 to Common Sense. <laughs> and, you know, this guy, uh, besides Bernard, Bernard Baruch, famous banker. Friedman was acquainted with Henry Morgen, uh, Morgenthau, I'm sorry, senior, not junior. As I said, Samuel Untermeyer, Franklin Roosevelt, Joe Kennedy, his son John, H.L. Uh, Hunt and son Nelson Bunker. He was at the For Sales Peace Conference. He was an advisor to Nelson Bunker Hunt, the American businessman most famous for his silver dealings. In Robert John's Behind a Balfour Declaration, published by the Holocaust Denial Institute for Historical Review, ooh, what a title. The only acknowledgement is to Friedman. John says that Friedman gave me copies of materials on the Balfour Declaration, which my, I might have never found on my own, and encouraged my own research. And Curtis B. Dahl put Friedman in a list of unspecified acknowledgements in FDR, my exploited father-in-law. Now, this guy was around, and I mean around. You know, it goes into the Balfour, how World War I was engineered, World War II was engineered, and I call it World War I and then World War I Part Two. Also into the Zionist, and there was a nice piece done by... Um, 
Jack Bernstein. It was written back in 85. If I can get around to the issue of Zionist propaganda and dual citizenship and all this other stuff, I will do so if, if time allows. But folks, this is true history, speaking uh, speaking by uh, and for Jews themselves. I hope I don't stumble and bumble my whole way through the next two hours. It's Monday, folks. The problems are still on the table, and Monday morning we always face them anew. It's time to quit hacking at the branches and put the root kill in to kill the evil tree. We'll be back. Hi, I'm Roger Mason, the inventor of Beta Prostate. Men, are you getting up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom? Is your love life not what it used to be? Many men don't realize these issues are often related to their prostate health. Prostate problems start about age 40, and by 50, over half of men already have a prostate problem. This only gets worse. What can you do? See a doctor for checkups and take Beta Prostate. It is the well-researched natural formula that supports a healthy prostate, and it's made with pure beta cytosterol, 11 essential minerals plus vitamin D. This is the best-selling prostate formula in the world. It's safe, it's healthy, and what every man over 40 should take for good prostate nutrition. To try Beta Prostate risk-free, dial 1-800-362-5848. Call today for Beta Prostate and get Roger Mason's best-selling book free with your order. Dial 1-800-362-5848. That's 1-800-362-5848. Hi, I'm Roger Mason, the inventor of Beta Prostate. Men, are you getting up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom? Is your love life not what it used to be? Many men don't realize these issues are often related to their prostate health. Prostate problems start about age 40, and by 50, over half of men already have a prostate problem. This only gets worse. What can you do? See a doctor for checkups and take Beta Prostate. It is the well-researched natural formula that supports a healthy prostate, and it's made with pure beta cytosterol, 11 essential minerals plus vitamin D. This is the best-selling prostate formula in the world. It's safe, it's healthy, and what every man over 40 should take for good prostate nutrition. To try Beta Prostate risk-free, dial 1-800-362-5848. Call today for Beta Prostate and get Roger Mason's best-selling book free with your order. Dial 1-800-362-5848. That's 1-800-362-5848. With financial uncertainty circling the globe due to job losses, decline in the housing market, a climate of corruption, bailouts, currency rigging, and unfair competition, many are once more turning to precious metals as the only hedge against the uncertainty of the future. With the U.S. House conducting hearings on proposals to confiscate workers' personal retirement accounts, including 401Ks and IRAs, this is the time to secure your assets. Call Republic Trading Group today, 800-691-7898, before this happens, and find out how easy it is to convert your existing IRA and in some instances your 401k plan into real wealth now. Don't let the ravages of hyperinflation caused by the massive increase of fiat currency now flooding world markets affect your retirement account. Call RTG at 800-691-7898 and experience the security and peace of mind that only real gold and silver can offer. That number again is 800-691-7898. Call now. Get 
ready for Real Talk Radio. You're listening to the National Intel Report with your host, John Statmiller. The opening statement at the Willard Hotel in 61. And folks, 61, 71, 81, 91, 2001, some 48 years ago. Friedman says, here in the United States, the Zionists and her co-religionists have complete control of our government. For many reasons, too many and too complex to go into here at this time, the Zionists and their co-religionists rule these United States as though they were an absolute monarch of this country. Now you may say that this is a very broad statement, but let me show you what happened while we were all asleep. What happened? World War I broke out in the summer of 1914. There are a few people here my age who remember that. Now that war was waged on one side by Great Britain, France, and Russia, on the other side by Germany, Austria, Hungary, and Turkey. Within two years, Germany had won that war, not only won it nominally, but won it actually. The German submarines, which were a surprise to the world, had swept all convoys from the Atlantic Ocean. Great Britain stood there without ammunition for her soldiers, with one week's food supply, and after that, starvation. At that time, the French army had mutinied. They had lost 600,000 of their flower of the French, he says, the youth in the defense of the Verdun and the Somme. The Russian army was defecting. They were picking up their toys and going home. They didn't want to play war anymore. They didn't like the Tsar, and the Italian army had collapsed. Not a shot had been fired on German soil. Not one enemy soldier had crossed the border into Germany, and yet Germany was offering England peace terms. They offered England a negotiated peace on what the lawyers call a status quo anti-basis. That means let's call the war off and let everything be as it was before it got started. England in the summer of 1916 was considering that, seriously considering it. They had no choice. It was either accepting this negotiated peace that Germany was magnanimously offering them or going on with the war and being totally defeated. Now, while that was going on, the Zionists in Germany, who represented the Zionists from Eastern Europe, went to the British War Cabinet, and he said, I'm going to be brief because it's a long story, but all I have, I have all the documents to prove any statement that I make. They said, look here, you can yet win this war. You don't have to give up. You don't have to accept the negotiated peace offered to you now by Germany. You can win this war if the United States will come in as your ally. The United States was not in the war at the time. We were fresh, we were strong, we were rich, we were powerful. They told England, we will guarantee to bring the United States into the war as your ally to fight with you on your side if you will promise us Palestine after you win the war. In other words, they made this deal. We will get the United States into the war as your ally. The price you must pay is Palestine after you have won the war and defeated Germany. Austria, Hungary, and Turkey. Now, England had as much right to promise Palestine to anybody as the United States would have to promise Japan to Ireland for any reason whatsoever. It's absolutely absurd that Great Britain never had any connection or any interest or any right in what is known as Palestine should offer it as a coin of the realm to pay the Zionists for bringing the United States into the war. However, they did make that promise in October of 1916, and shortly after that, I don't know how many there, uh, many here remember it, the United States, which was almost totally pro-German, 
entered the war as Britain's ally. I say that the United States was almost totally pro-German because the newspapers here were controlled by the Jews. The bankers were Jews. All the media of mass communication in this country were controlled by the Jews. And they, the Jews, were pro-German. They were pro-German because many of them had come from Germany, and also they wanted to see Germany lick the Tsar. The Jews didn't like the Tsar, and they didn't want Russia to win the war. These German Jew bankers like Kuhn Loeb and other big banking firms in the United States refused to finance France or England to the extent of $1. They stood aside and said, as long as France and England are tied up with Russia, not one cent. But they poured money into Germany. They fought beside Germany against Russia, trying to lick the Tsarist regime. Now, those same Jews, when they saw the possibility of giving Palestine, went to England and made this deal. At the time, everything changed, like a traffic light that changes from red to green, where the newspapers had all been pro-German, where they'd been telling people of all the difficulties that Germany was having fighting Great Britain commercially and in other respects. All of a sudden, the Germans were no good. They were villains. They were Huns. They were shooting Red Cross nurses. They were cutting off babies' hands. They were no good. Shortly after that, Mr. Wilson declared war on Germany. The Zionists in London had sent cables to the United States to Justice Brandeis saying, go to work on President Wilson. We're getting from England what we want. Now you go to work on President Wilson and get the United States into the war. That's how the United States got into the war, folks. We have no more interest in it. We had no more right to be in it than we had to be in the man in the moon tonight instead of in this room. There was absolutely no reason for World War I to be our war. We were railroaded into, and if I can be vulgar, we were suckered into it. The war merely uh, so that the Zionists of the world could obtain Palestine. That is something that the people of the United States have never been told. They never knew why we went into World War I. After we got into the war, the Zionists went to Great Britain and they said, well, we perform, performed our part of the agreement. Let's have something in writing that shows that you're going to keep your bargain and give us Palestine after you win the war. Well, they didn't know whether the war would be lasting another year or another ten years, so they started to work out a, uh, a receipt. That receipt took the form of a letter, which was worded in a very cryptic language so that the world at large wouldn't know what it was all about. And that was called the Balfour Declaration. The Balfour Declaration was merely Great Britain's promise to pay the Zionists what they had agreed upon as a consideration for getting the United States into the war. So this great Balfour Declaration that you hear so much about is just as phony as a $3 bill. I don't think I could make it any more emphatic than that. This is where all the trouble started. The United States got into the war. The United States crushed Germany. You know what happened. When the war ended and the Germans were sent to Paris for the Paris Peace Conference in 1919, there were 117 Jews there, as a declaration representing the Jews headed by Bernard Baruch. I was there. I ought to know. Now what happened? The Jews at the Peace Conference, when they were cutting up Germany and parceling out Europe to all these nations who claimed a right to certain part of European territory, said, how about Palestine for us? And they produced, for the first time, to the knowledge of the Germans, this Balfour Declaration. So the Germans, for the first time, realized, oh, so that's the game. That's why the United States came into the war. The Germans, for the first time, realized that they were defeated, 
They suffered the ter uh, terrific reparations that were slapped onto them because the Zionists wanted Palestine, and we were determined to get it at any cost. That brings us to a very interesting point. When the Germans realized this, they naturally resented it. Up to that time, the Jews had never been better off in any country in the world than they had been in Germany. You had Mr. Raffanow there, who was maybe a 100 times as important in, in industry and finance as Bernard Bernouk in this country. You had Mr. Ballin, who owned the two big steamship lines, the North uh, German Lloyds and the Hamburg American Lines. You had Mr. Bleichroder, who was the banker for the, and I hope I don't butcher this too bad, the Horenzollen family. You had the Warburgs in Hamburg who were the big merchant banks, the biggest in the world. The Jews were doing very well in Germany, no question about that. The Germans felt, well, that was quite a sellout. It was a sellout that might be compared to the hypothetical situation. Suppose the United States was at war with the Soviet Union, and we were winning, and we, were told, the Soviet, uh, and we told the Soviet Union, well, let's quit, we offer you peace terms, let's forget the whole thing, and all of a sudden rent China, came into the war as an ally for the Soviet Union. And throwing them into the war brought about our defeat, a crushing defeat, with reparations, with the likes the which man's imagination cannot uh, uh, encompass. Imagine then, after the defeat, if we found out that it was the Chinese in this country, our Chinese citizens, who all the time we had thought were loyal citizens working with us, were selling us out to the Soviet Union, and that it was through them that the Red China was brought into the war against us, how would we feel then if the United States against Chinese? I don't think that one of them would dare show his face on the street. There would be enough convenient lampposts to take care of them. Imagine how we would feel. Well, that's how the Germans felt toward these Jews. They'd been so nice to them from 1905 on when the first communist revolution in Russia failed, and the Jews had to scramble out of Russia. They all went to Germany. And Germany gave them refuge, and they were treated very nicely. And here they had sold Germany down the river for no reason at all, other than the fact that they wanted Palestine as a so-called Jewish commonwealth. Now, Nathan Sokolow, or Sokolow, let me be, I don't want to call here from Sokolow, the lawyer on the radio. And all the great lenders and great names that you read about in connection with the Zionism today in 1919, 1920, 21, 22, 23, wrote in all their papers, and the press was filled with their statements, that feeling against the Jews in Germany is due to the fact that they realized that this great defeat was brought about Jewish intercession in bringing the United States into the war. The Jews themselves admitted that. It wasn't that the Germans in 1919 discovered that a glass of Jewish blood tasted better than Coca-Cola or a beer. There was no religious feeling. There was no sentiment against those people merely on account of their religious belief. It was all political. It was economic. It was anything but religious. Nobody cared in Germany whether a Jew went home and pulled down the shades and said, Shema, Yisrael, or our father. Nobody cared in Germany any more than they do in the United States. Now, this feeling that developed later in Germany was due to one thing. The Germans held the Jews responsible for their crushing defeat. Ah, the thick, the plot thicken, thickens here, ladies and gentlemen. And so did my tongue. I'll give it a rest. We'll be back right after this break. Here's Dr. John Matson, a naturopathic doctor, and his views 
on Cardivite. I would like to thank you, Don, for making my job so much easier because your products just make it so simple, right? To fool around with a lot of exotic things that don't work, we can just put them on Cardivite and things start to work almost right away. I've had dozens and dozens of patients with uh, heart problems who have corrected them. And what it's doing, there's so much garlic in there that has a, a yeast killing effect. That yeast is a big problem in the gut, pushes the liver heart. It also has metal chelating effect. And most of the other herbs in there I find that strengthen the arteries. They help to neutralize free radicals. Your remedy is as close to what we do in our program as you can get as far as one supplement goes. It's working on the, the gut. It's working on the liver. It's working on the arteries. What more can you ask for? For more information or to order your Cardivite, call 1-877-928-8822. Cardivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply of either capsules or tincture. Our website is heartdrop.com. There are many types of storable foods, but how about a superfood that contains every nutrient that the human body needs for survival? 50% protein, 300 milligrams of potassium per ounce, and calcium and magnesium for your heart and bones, with many more nutrients found in this incredible food source that the government does not want you to have. This product is available in powder, seeds, and oil, and is shipped free to your door in the U.S. This product is illegal to grow in the U.S., but is legal to import. Don't waste time thinking about storing food. Plan ahead and prepare for yourself and your family now, and be in control of your destiny. You can save and invest your money, but in the end, food will be your greatest asset. Remember what the Word of God says in Ezekiel 7.19. Call 908-691-2608 and see what the powder, seeds, and oil can do for you. Remember, food will be your greatest asset. Call 908-691-2608. This product does not contain THC. Call 908-691-2608 today. Hey, honey, I'm home. I grabbed the newspaper on the way home. Look at all the news today. The newspaper? Don't you know that all you're going to get in the newspaper is propaganda, twisted news, and false information? Honey, this is a national newspaper. It has to be true. Ha! For some reason, a majority of the population believe anything the mainstream media tells them. The newspaper does not give out the important attention on what's happening to this country and news that affects our daily lives. Say, does that newspaper mention anything about the North American Union? No, not that I can see. I didn't think so. You need to go to www.newswithviews.com, where truth is more important than political correctness. That's www.newswithviews.com. Hey, don't throw that away. We can use that in the birdcage. Okay, move over. Let me start reading newswithviews.com. The truth? Read all about it at newswithviews.com. Newswithviews.com, where reality shatters illusion. Oh, by the way, I've got to do this before I forget. Uh, we are looking for a radio broadcast engineer. Okay? And uh, <laughs> I've been getting responses over the last couple of days, and people are going, can you be more specific? Okay, that would be a fine idea. Uh, radio engineer, and people are calling me, what kind of engineer do you need? Well, this is a radio network, but... We have people that like to cross the uh, T's and dot the I's. Now, we're looking for somebody that has experience, motivation, and is looking to start right away, okay? No, you cannot do this from the living room of your home. 
Uh, job duties, automation software, program logs, board operation, audio enhancement, con- uh, computer assembly, you know, uh, off-the-shelf computer stuff. We've got support for all these expensive programs, so you don't have to be a programmer yourself. At any rate, uh, if you are in the radio industry or you were just recently in this century, because there has been light years, but tell you what, just give us a call or email your resume. Mail it to me, John Statmiller at Hotmail.com, or call the network, 800-724-2719. When I got a guy that does my three-hour morning show, says, hey, I'm going to produce my own show, <laughs> something had to change at any rate. Back to what I was reading. Benjamin H. Friedman at the Willard Hotel in 1961. Now, World War I had been started against Germany for no reason for which Germany was responsible. They were guilty of nothing. And this is a Jew talking. I want you to remember this. Benjamin H. Friedman. These are not my words. It's not the reconstituted version of Adolf Hitler and Mein Kampf in the 92nd edition. No. Only being successful, they built up a big navy. They built up world trade. You must remember that Germany at the time of the French Revolution consisted of 300 small city-states, principalities, dukedoms, and so forth. 300 separate little political entities. And between that time, between the times of Napoleon and Bismarck, they were consolidated into one state, and within 50 years, they became one of the world's great powers. Their navy was rivaling Great Britain's. They were doing business all over the world. They could undersell anybody. They could make better products. Now, what happened as a result of that? There was a conspiracy between England, France, and Russia to slap down Germany. There isn't one historian in the world who can find a valid reason why those three countries decided to wipe Germany off the map politically. When Germany realized that the Jews were responsible for her her defeat, they naturally resented it. But not a hair on the head of any Jew was harmed, not a single hair. Professor Tansel of Georgetown University, who had access to all the secret papers of the State Department, wrote in his book and quoted from the State Department document written by Hugo Schoenfeld, a Jew whom Cordell Hall, sent to Europe in 1933 to investigate the so-called camps of political prisoners, who wrote back that he found them in very fine condition. They were in excellent shape, with everybody treated well, and they were filled with communists. Well, a lot of them were Jews, because the Jews happened to compromise about 98% of the communists in Europe at that time. And there were some priests there, and ministers, and labor leaders, and masons, and others who had international affiliations. Now, some background is in order. 1918-1919, the communists took over Bavaria for a few days. Rosa Luxemburg and Karl Liebknecht and a group of other Jews took over the government for three days. In fact, when the Kaiser ended the war, he fled to Holland because he thought the communists were going to take over Germany, as they did Russia, and that he was going to meet the same fate as the Tsar, so he fled to Holland for safety. After the communist threat in Germany was quashed, the Jews were still working, trying to get back into their former status. 
and the Germans fought them in every which way they could without hurting a single hair on anyone's head. They fought them in the same way that in this country the prohibitionists fought anyone who was interested in liquor. They didn't fight one another with pistols. Well, that's the way they were fighting uh, the Jews in Germany at the time. Mind you, there were 80 to 90 million Germans, and there were only 460,000 Jews. About one-half of one percent of the population of Germany were Jews, and yet they controlled all the press. They controlled most of the economy because they had come in with cheap money when the mark was devalued and bought up practically everything. Hmm. Sounds like America today, doesn't it? The Jews tried to keep a lid on this fact. They didn't want the world to really understand that they had sold Germany out and that the Germans, in fact, did, I guess you could say, resented it. Now, the Germans took appropriate action against the Jews. They, shall I say, discriminated against them whenever they could. They shunned them the same way that we would shun the Chinese uh, or the Catholics or anyone in this country who had sold us out to an enemy and brought about our defeat. After a while, the Jews in the world called a meeting in Amsterdam. Jews from every country in the world attended this meeting in July of 1933. And they said to Germany, you fire Hitler and you put every Jew back into his former position, whether he was a communist or no matter what he was, you can't treat us this way, and we, the Jews of the world, are serving an ultimatum, uh, ultimatum upon you. Now you can imagine what the Germans told them, so when we get back, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what the Jews did. Now, folks, we're going to go through this and kind of bring this up to present day here in America, where less than 2% of the population is Jewish. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, I'm Roger Mason, the inventor of Beta Prostate. Men, are you getting up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom? Is your love life not what it used to be? Many men don't realize these issues are often related to their prostate health. Prostate problems start about age 40, and by 50, over half of men already have a prostate problem. This only gets worse. What can you do? See a doctor for checkups and take Beta Prostate. It is the well-researched natural formula that supports a healthy prostate, and it's made with pure beta cytosterol, 11 essential minerals plus vitamin D. This is the best-selling prostate formula in the world. It's safe, it's healthy, and what every man over 40 should take for good prostate nutrition. To try Beta Prostate risk-free, dial 1-800-362-5848. Call today for Beta Prostate and get Roger Mason's best-selling book free with your order. Dial 1-800-362-5848. That's 1-800-362-5848. Toxic heavy metals. They're in the air we breathe, water we drink, our food, products we use, objects we touch, and they negatively impact our health by building up within the body over time. But now, toxic metals can be mobilized in a safe, effective manner with Keelorex from scienceformulas.com. Keelorex is an oral chelator developed from Dr. Alan Greenberg's clinical experience with heavy metal poisoning during his 25 years of medical practice. Keelorex contains absolutely zero synthetic chelation agents, which frequently cause adverse side effects.
Kilorex. Kilorex contains all natural ingredients that enhance the body's natural mechanisms for excreting heavy metals and protects against reabsorption. Kilorex effectively mobilizes mercury, aluminum, lead, and 15 other heavy metals. Try Kilorex now from scienceformulas.com with this RBN special offer. Purchase two bottles, get one free with free shipping. Limited time offer. Go to scienceformulas.com. That's scienceformulas.com. Kilorex. Chelation of toxic heavy metals the way nature intended. The First Amendment in the Bill of Rights limits the government's power by ensuring the freedom of speech and preserving the rights of the people. Every day that passes, our rights gradually slip away. It's time to take a stand and let the government know we're tired of losing our rights. LibertyStickers.com will allow you to express your rights and allow millions of people to see you stand up for what you believe in. LibertyStickers.com carries the largest selection of bumper stickers online, ranging from political to humorous, and is your number one source for Ron Paul for President stickers. As always, you can find your favorite stickers that protest the war and the president. Don't see what you're looking for? Liberty Stickers will custom make stickers that will let you get your message across for all Americans to see. Go to LibertyStickers.com and see pre-made stickers that will get everyone talking. That's LibertyStickers.com or call 877-873-9626. Liberty Stickers, the world's most dangerous stickers. You're tuned in to the National Intel Report, the real talk radio show. So what did they do after this July 1933 meeting? What did they say to Germany? Fire Hitler? Put every Jew back in his former position? Whether he was a communist or no matter what he was, you can't treat us this way? We just destroyed your country and took control of it, but you can't treat me this way. I am extra special. Well, <laughs> in 1933, when Germany refused to surrender the World Conference of Jews in Amsterdam, the conference broke up. And Mr. Samuel Untermeyer, who was the head of the American delegation and the president of the whole conference, came to the United States and went from the streamer to the studios of the Columbia Broadcasting System and made a radio broadcast throughout the United States in which, in effect, he said, the Jews of the world now declare a holy war against Germany, and we are now engaged in a sacred conflict against the Germans, and we are going to starve them into surrender. We are going to use worldwide boycott against them that will destroy them because they are dependent upon their export business. And it is a fact that two-thirds of Germany's food supply had to be imported and it could only be imported with the proceeds of what they exported. So if Germany could not export, two-thirds of Germany's population would have to starve. There was just not enough food for more than one-third of the population. Now in this declaration, which I have here, and which was printed in New York Times on August 7th of 1933, Mr. Samuel Untermeyer boldly stated that this economic boycott is our means of self-defense. President Roosevelt has advocated its use in the National Recovery Administration, which some of you may remember, where everybody was to be boycotted unless he followed the rules laid down by the New Deal, and which was declared unconstitutional by the Supreme Court of that time. Nevertheless, the Jews of the world declared a boycott against Germany, and it was so effective 
that you couldn't find one thing in any store anywhere in the world with the words made in Germany stamped on it. In fact, an executive of the Woolworth Company told me that he had to dump millions of dollars worth of crockery and dishes into the river, that their stores were boycotted if anybody, anybody came in and found a dish marked made in Germany. They were picketed with, picketed with signs saying Hitler, murderer, and so forth. Something like these sit-ins that are taking place in the South at a store belonging to R.H. Macy chain, which was controlled by a family called Strauss, who also happens to be Jews. A woman found stockings there which came from Schmitz, marked Made in Germany. Well, they were cotton stockings, and they may have been there 20 years since I've been observing women's legs for many years, and it's been a long time since I've seen cotton stockings on them. I saw Macy's boycotted with hundreds of people walking around with signs saying murderers, Hitlerites, and so forth. Now, up to that time, not one hair on the head of any Jew had been hurt in Germany. There was no suffering. There was no starvation. There was no murder. There was nothing. Naturally, the Germans said, who are these people to declare a boycott against us and throw all our people out of work and make our industries come to a standstill? Who are they to do that to us? They naturally resented it. Certainly, they painted swastikas on stores owned by Jews. Why should a German go in and give his money to a storekeeper who was part of the boycott that was going to starve Germany into surrendering to the Jews of the world, who were going to dictate who their premier or chancellor was to be? Well, according to Mr. Friedman, well, it was ridiculous. The boycott continued for some time, but it wasn't until 1938 when a young Jew from Poland walked into the German embassy in Paris and shot a German official that the Germans really started to get rough with the Jews in Germany. And you found them breaking windows and having street fights and so forth. Now, I don't like to use the term anti-Semitism, Friedman writes, because it's meaningless, but it means something to you still, so I have to use it. The only reason that there was any feeling in Germany against Jews was that they were responsible for World War I and for this worldwide boycott. Ultimately, they were also responsible for World War II, because after this thing got out of hand, it was absolutely necessary for the Jews and Germany to lock horns in a war to see which one was going to survive. In the meanwhile, I had lived in Germany, and I knew that Germans had decided that Europe is going to be a Christian or communist. There is no in-between. And the Germans decided they were going to keep it Christian, if possible. And they started to rearm. In November of 1933, the United States recognized the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union was becoming very powerful, and Germany realized that. Our turn was going to come soon unless we are strong. The same as we in this country are saying today. Our turn is going to come soon unless we are strong. Our government is spending 83 or $84 billion for defense. Remember, this is 1961, folks. Defense against whom? Defense against 40,000 little Jews in Moscow that took over Russia? and then, in their devious ways, took over control of many other countries of the world? For this country now to be on the verge of war, a Third World War, from which we cannot emerge as a victor, is something that staggers my imagination. I know that nuclear bombs are measured in terms of megatons. A megaton is a term used to describe one million tons of TNT. Our nuclear bombs had a capacity of 10 megatons, or 10 million tons of TNT when they were first deployed. 
Now the nuclear bombs that are being developed have the capacity of 200 megatons, and God knows how many more megatons the nuclear bombs of the Soviet Union have. What do we face now? If we trigger a world war that may develop into a nuclear war, humanity is finished. Why might such a war take place? It will take place as the curtain goes up on Act 3. Act 1 was World War I, Act 2 was World War I, Part 2 as I call it, and Act 3 is going to be World War Three. The Jews of the world, the Zionists and their co-religionists everywhere, are determined that they are going to again use the United States to help them permanently retain Palestine as their foothold for the world government. That is just as true as I'm standing here, not alone having read it, but I, uh, I, I'm sorry, but many here have also read it, and it is known all over the world. What are we going to do? The life you save may be your sons. Your boys might be on their way to that war tonight. And you don't know it any more than you knew back in 1916 in London, the Zionists made a deal with the British War Cabinet to send your sons to war in Europe. Did you know it at the time? Not a person in the United States knew it. You weren't permitted to know it. Who knew it? President Wilson knew it. Colonel House knew it. And other insiders knew it as well. Did I know it? I had a pretty good idea what was going on. I was a liaison to Henry Morgenthau, Sr., in the 1912 campaign when President Wilson was elected, and there was talk around the office there. I was a confidential man to Henry Morgenthau, Sr., who was chairman of the Finance Committee, and I was a liaison between him and Rollo Wells, the treasurer. So I sat in on these meetings with President Wilson at the head of the table and all the others, and I heard them drum into President Wilson's brain, the graduated income tax, and what has become the Federal Reserve. And I heard them indoctrinate him with the Zionist movement, just as Brandeis and President Wilson were just as close to the, as two fingers on a hand. President Wilson had, was just as incompetent when it came to determining what was going on the newborn baby. That is how they got us into World War I while we all slept. They sent our boys over there to be slaughtered for what? So the Jews can have Palestine as their commonwealth? They fooled you so much that you don't know whether you're coming or you're going. Now, any judge, when he charges a jury, says, Gentlemen, any witness who, will, uh, who you will find has told a single lie, you can disregard all of his testimony. I don't know what state you came from, but in New York State... That is the way a judge addresses a jury. If that witness told one lie, disregard his testimony. Now, what are the facts of, uh, of the Jews? And, and folks, I, I'm more than happy to do this on this network because I am not an anti-Semite. I don't wish harm upon any Jew. I go through the pains of pointing out where communism came from, who's controlling this country right now, 2% of the population, less than 2%. And I'll get into the issue also of dual citizenship, of which Mr. Rahm Emanuel holds. So what are the facts about Jews? I call them Jews to you because they are known as Jews. I don't call them Jews myself. I, return, I, I refer to them as so-called Jews because I know what they are. The Eastern European Jews, who form 92% of the world's population, 
of those people who call themselves Jews were originally Khazars. They were a warlike tribe who lived deep in the heart of Asia, and they were so warlike that even the Asiatics drove them out of Asia into Eastern Europe. They set up a large Khazar kingdom, about 800,000 square miles. At the time, Russia did not exist, nor did many other European countries. The Khazar kingdom was the biggest country in all of Europe, so big and so powerful that when other monarchs wanted to go to war, the Khazars would lend them 40,000 soldiers. That's how big and powerful they actually were. They were phallic worshippers, which is, which is filthy, Mr. Friedman says, and I do not want to go into the details of that now. But that was their religion. And it was also a religion of many other pagans and barbarians elsewhere in the world. The Khazar king became so disgusted with the degeneracy of his kingdom that they decided to adopt a so-called monotheistic faith, either Christianity, Islam, or what is known today as Judaism, which is really Talmudism. By spinning a top and calling out eeny, meeny, miny, mo, he picked out the so-called Judaism, and that became the state religion. He sent down to the Talmudic schools of Pumbetia and Surah, and they brought up thousands of rabbis and opened up synagogues and schools, and his people became what we call Jews. There wasn't one of them who had an ancestor who ever put a toe in the Holy Land, not only in the Old Testament history, but back to the beginning of time. Not one of them. And yet they come to the Christians and ask us to support their armed insurrection in Palestine by saying, you want to help repatriate God's support to support their armed insurrections in Palestine by saying, I, excuse me here, I'm double dipping, you want to help repatriate God's chosen people to their promised land, their ancestral home, don't you? It's your Christian duty. We gave you one of our boys as your Lord and Savior. Now you go to church on Sunday and you kneel and you worship a Jew and we're Jews. But they are pagan Khazars who were converted just the same as the Irish were converted. It is a, it's ridiculous to call them people of the Holy Land, as it would be to call 54 million Chinese Muslim Arabs. Muhammad only died in 1620 A.D., and since then, 54 million Chinese have accepted Islam as their religious belief. Now imagine in China, 2,000 miles away from Arabia, from Mecca and Muhammad's birthplace, imagine if 54 million Chinese decided to call themselves Arabs. You would say they were lunatics. Anyone who believes that 54 million Chinese are Arabs must be crazy. All they did was adopt the religious faith, a belief, that had its origin in Mecca, in Arabia. The same as the Irish. When the Irish became Christians, nobody dumped them in the ocean and imported, uh, and imported to the Holy Land a new crop of inhabitants. They hadn't become a different people. They were the same people, but they had accepted Christianity as a religious faith. These Khazars, these pagans, these Asiatics, these Turco-Finns were a mongoloid race who were forced out of Asia into Eastern Europe because their king took the Talmudic faith. They had no choice in the matter, just the same as in Spain. If the king was Catholic, everybody had to be a Catholic. If not, he had to get out of Spain. So the Khazars became what we call today Jews. Now imagine how silly it was for the great Christian countries of the world to say, we're going to use our power and prestige to repatriate God's chosen people to their ancestral homeland, their promised land. Could there be a bigger lie than that? 
because they control the new newspapers, the magazines, the radio, the television, the book publishing business, and because they have the ministers and the pulpit and the politicians on the soapboxes talking the same language. It is not too surprising that you believe that lie. You'd better, you believe black is white. If you heard it, if you heard it often enough, you wouldn't call a, a black black anymore. You'd start calling black white, and nobody could blame you. This is one of the great lies of history. It is the foundation of the misery that has befallen the world. Did you did you know that the Jews on the Day of Atonement that you think is so sacred to them? I was one of them. This is not here hearsay. I'm not here to rabble-rouse. I'm here to give you the facts. When on the Day of Atonement, you walk into a synagogue, you stand up for the very prayer that you recite. It is the only prayer for which you stand. You repeat three times a short prayer called the Kol Nidre. In that prayer, you enter into an agreement with God Almighty that any oath, vow, or pledge that you may make during the next 12 months shall be null and void. The oath shall not be an oath, the vow shall not be a vow, the pledge shall not be a pledge. They shall have no force or effect. And further, the Talmud teaches that whenever you take an oath, vow, or a pledge, you are to remember the Kol Nidre prayer that you recited on the Day of Atonement, and you are exempted from fulfilling them. How much can you depend on their loyalty? You can depend upon their loyalty as much as Germans depended on them in 1916. I'm going to next get into what um, Lassie Wilhelm Wilhelm son, I do believe. Yes, Wilhelm's son. Uh, this guy, particularly interesting fellow, talks about the Zionism, uh, Zionism as a Jewish national socialism. And folks, let me remind people of what the New World Orderites are envisioning for the world. The very Jews that control the International Bank of Settlements, the Federal Reserve inside this country, banks and economic systems worldwide. Funny how they're all experiencing a collapse right now. So better for the banker to come in and straighten out all the mess. We apologize for our dust here, but we're going to make everything okay. What they are after is total economic control of the world's engine. And we have not one Congress critter, save for Ron Paul in Washington, D.C., are saying, throw the bastard Jewish bankers out on their ear. We've had enough usury. Old Barry is getting ready to do the deed to us in his next four years. And folks, you're not going to like the sight or the smell of this. It is going to be socialism accepted by the American people. With recent international flight from the dollar, it's confusing. How to protect your wealth against this invisible loss of purchasing power? Let the Republic Trading Group help you see through the fog and deception of the fiat money masters. The fact is gold is and always has been the only insurance against the erosion of your wealth. 
So put the power of gold to work for you and rest assured your purchasing power is secure. Buy your gold from the most dependable and reputable dealer, Republic Trading Group. Call today, 1-800-691-7898, and let Robbie Noel help you see through the fog. When you support the Republic Trading Group, you're also supporting Republic Broadcasting Network. So visit our new and improved website today, republictradinggroup.net, for daily news and information from around the world. Don't be confused. Call Republic Trading Group today, 1-800-691-7898, and lock in the power of gold. Hi, I'm Roger Mason, the inventor of Beta Prostate. Men, are you getting up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom? Is your love life not what it used to be? Many men don't realize these issues are often related to their prostate health. Prostate problems start about age 40, and by 50, over half of men already have a prostate problem. This only gets worse. What can you do? See a doctor for checkups and take Beta Prostate. It is the well-researched natural formula that supports a healthy prostate, and it's made with pure beta cytosterol, 11 essential minerals plus vitamin D. This is the best-selling prostate formula in the world. It's safe, it's healthy, and what every man over 40 should take for good prostate nutrition. To try Beta Prostate risk-free, dial 1-800-362-5848. Call today for Beta Prostate and get Roger Mason's best-selling book free with your order. Dial 1-800-362-5848. That's 1-800-362-5848. With recent international flight from the dollar, it's confusing. How to protect your wealth against this invisible loss of purchasing power? Let the Republic Trading Group help you see through the fog and deception of the fiat money masters. The fact is gold is and always has been the only insurance against the erosion of your wealth. So put the power of gold to work for you, and rest assured your purchasing power is secure. Buy your gold from the most dependable and reputable dealer, Republic Trading Group. Call today, 1-800-691-7898, and let Robbie Noel help you see through the fog. When you support the Republic Trading Group, you're also supporting Republic Broadcasting Network. So visit our new and improved website today, republictradinggroup.net, for daily news and information from around the world. Don't be confused. Call Republic Trading Group today, 1-800-691-7898, and lock in the power of gold. make a qualifying statement here. People will not do this on air because they fear the wrath of the Zionist. I do not. Let me face my enemy in the field of honor. Let them take off their mask and confront the American people with their lies and their deceptions. I, for one, ladies and gentlemen, on this subject will never, ever, ever, ever back down. And for those who find it uncomfortable talking about Jews that talk about their own problem, if they've got a problem with that, folks, they are not really your friends. Trust me. We can keep hacking at all the evil we see around us, encroaching the police state, the courts that don't work for us anymore, the redress of government that goes unheard upon deaf ears, the sellout and the giveaway, for generations to come, ladies and gentlemen. 
the guarantee to fix the banking problem. We're sorry, excuse our dust. It's only going to cost your grandchildren their very lives. I will not make any apologies. I will not back down. Lassie Williamson, he said, somewhat mysterious personality. Hess is credited with being a source of the Jewish question by Karl Marx, how, who, however, repudiated him in strong terms. Hess rejected the class war concept of Marx and offered the race war and class peace idea, later utilized by Adolf Hitler. Herzl thought Hess was a true founder of Zionism and his forerunner, Lassie Williamson, calls for a single democratic state in the whole of Palestine and for a boycott of Israel until its racist laws are repealed. Following Israel Shahak, he finds Judaism an extremely problematic doctrine and an origin of Israeli racism. He calls for the creation of Palestine version of the ANC, a joint movement for all native and adoptive Palestinians. And he writes in an article, Zionism more than traditional colonialism and apartheid. The Jewish colonization of Palestine under the Zionist slogan, the land without people to the people without a land, started almost a 100 years ago and reached its first climax with a proclamation of the Jewish state of Israel in 1948. A second climax is now in the offing through an, easy, or through an ongoing rather colonization of the West Bank and Gaza. A Jewish state needs a substantial majority of the Jews in the population. This has been ensured by the means of immigration, terror, and expulsion of the native Palestinian population. Jewish hegemony is the Israel today and is secured through a system of apartheid inherent in all aspects of society, be it law, administration, or religion. Israel lacks a constitution and fixed borders, which is fully consistent with Zionism's call for continual expansion. Israel is not even a democracy for Jews. There is a law in Israel passed in 1985 which forbids political parties to openly oppose the principles of the Jewish state. Neither are they allowed to work for a change of this principle through democratic means. A party so doing will be banned from the elections uh, to the Neset, Democracy is thus denied to those citizens, even Jews, who wish to work within the parliamentary system towards replacing the Jewish state with a secular state which represents all of its citizens, equal rights regardless of religion or ethnic origin. This law alone prevents Israel from being seen as a liberal democracy of a Western type. I'll con continue here with Mr. Williamson's writings. I'm going to let it rip today, folks. I'm tired of this. I'm watching my country being destroyed by the Jewish bastards, and there's not a thing I can do about it. I can certainly speak up about it. It's the least we can do for the red, white, and blue. We must take America back. We must take With recent